All righty. So uh, tonight, as we continue going through different uh, classic pieces of, uh, of Musser and Ashkafa and philosophy and things of, the, of that sort. So uh, I thought, being that we're on the week uh, leading up to uh, Tishaba, so believe it or not, I thought that it would be appropriate to go ahead and do something which is Tishaba related. How creative of me! So, so uh, the only the only creative part uh, that I could uh, I could really take credit for in this is the uh, the choice of which piece to do from the Nesiva Shalom, and uh, the one which I chose is the one which is uh, you know it seems like it's been happening a lot the past few years, but uh, certainly it happened last year and it makes sense uh, and it happens again uh, this year, so we might as well go ahead and as we say Chaparain. And it is a piece that the Nesiva Shalom has, specifically when Tisha B'Av falls on a uh, falls on Shabbos and gets pushed off to Sunday. So that happens to be the configuration uh, this year. And as we will see, there's a unique thought which goes uh, together with this uh, this uh, configuration when Tisha B'Av falls on uh, on uh, on Shabbos. So this one, rather than summarizing and reading just a little bit outside, since this is just one page, I figure we'll just uh, go for it and uh, let's see what we could do. So, Bikesh Rebbe Lakra Tishabav Shechal B'Shabbos. So as we're going to see, this is a quote from the Gemara, that the simple reading is that Rebbe, when Tishabav fell on Shabbos, Rebbe thought that we should go ahead and we should just do away with Tishabav that year. Which is certainly, if we take a vote, I imagine it will be unanimous <laughs> in favor of skip, <laughs> skipping Tishabah for the year. Uh, that's probably why they did not put it to a vote, because <laughs> that would be the, the answer. But he says, so the, the slow number begins as follows. It happens to be, just uh, a, a, as a historical point, that the uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, the Nesiva Shalom's yurt site is tomorrow night. Is Wednesday night, Thursday, is his yardside. So we're doing this uh, just in uh, in advance of uh, of his yardside. It says Bikesh Rebbe Lakor Tishavav Shachal B'Shabbos. So again, the simple reading is we'll see the Hasidic reading shortly. But the simple reading is is that Rebbe wanted to uproot, meaning just do away, just take it out of the calendar when Tishavav fell on Shabbos. Amar and the simple explanation that he gave was Hoel Ve'idchi Idchi. Once you have to push it off anyways, you can't observe Tisha B'Av on Tisha B'Av, so you're pushing it off to the next day anyways, so you might as well just go ahead and get rid of it all together. It just means, it just means get rid of it for that year, not, not, not always. What? He's just talking about getting rid of it for that one year when it gets postponed, not yes. all the time. Correct, right, right. He, was, he wasn't suggesting uh, getting rid of it all together that, that particular year, but the Chavid disagreed. His uh, his colleagues they uh, they outvoted him, so that's the Gemara in Megillah Dafheim Mabes. So Slonimer now asks, "Is that Tzarech Beer v'Machalku Rebbe v'Chachamim?" So we know then every Machlokas that there is in Shas. Uh, Ralph was just talking about his Gemara class with Rabbi Levinson. So in every Machlokas and every disagreement there is in Shas. So one of the things which is important to do is try and understand the exact perspective of each position in that Machlokas. What is this one thinking? What is this one thinking? And that helps understand and develop a much better and deeper understanding of the uh, of the uh, of the issues at hand. So he says, "Ubavodas Israel." That's the name of a sefer. Mivar, he explains, and this is where you have to start already being being Hasidic. He's only five lines into the piece, four lines into the piece, and he's already pulling a Hasidic uh, perspective on us. But he says, "Mivar," he explains that when the Gemara says "Bikesh Lakor." 
that when he says that he wanted to uproot, which is the conventional reading of the word akor, la akor is to uproot, dhumi lashon ikr. So he looks at the, the shorish, he lo- looks at the word and sees the word ikr meaning primary. So it wasn't, he, Rebbe wasn't looking to uproot it, he was looking to make that day primary. Shabikesh lasoso ikr, that he was going to go ahead and make it a fundamental principle, meaning the Tishbah of Shechal B'Shabbos, that when Tishbah falls on Shabbos, so who Iker Ha'ikarim, this is the primary observance of Tishbah, Yosem Mikol HaChagi Mizman Yasim Yeshi L'Yisrael, and it's a more important calendar date, specifically when Tishbah falls on Shabbos, it's a more primary and more important uh, holiday date on the calendar from all of the other Yom Tovim that we observe. More than Pesach, more than Shavuos, more than Sukkot, more than all of that. Now, how could you say such a thing? How could all of a sudden you go, you will say that Tisha B'av, which falls on Shabbos specifically, he's not saying Tisha B'av in general. Tisha B'av on Shabbos is more important than any other calendar date. So he says, Ki bizman kazeh shal Tisha B'av Yisrael heim betachles hamarirus, because at this time on Tisha B'av, when Klai Yisrael are at their lowest point in terms of being embittered. This is when they're, they're all the way at the bottom and they're suffering. And nonetheless, when Shabbos ar- uh, arrives, so they're able to overcome their depression and their sense of downtroddenness and their feelings of, of, of being low and distant from God, they're able to strengthen themselves and experience simcha, they're able to get past the sadness in the morning and experience simcha. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is just thrilled with Klai Yisrael's capacity to go ahead and overcome their sadness and their depression in order to be able to celebrate Shabbos properly. That is what the, the, uh, the Avodas Yisrael says. Meaning, he says, in order for a Jew to be happy on Pesach, it's no big kunz, right? Who's not happy on Pesach? In order to be happy on Shavuos. So once you get past the Siddharm and all that, I mean. So he says, and as far as Shavuos, as far as Sukkot is concerned, so the ability to tap into the emotion of Simcha during those happy times, those festive occasions, so that is not a challenge at all. That's the mood of the day. But to go ahead and to go ahead and to be besimcha, to be joyous, and to be celebratory, and to feel this, as we'll see, closest with God during a time of darkness and during a time of sadness and depression, and having confidence and trust in Hashem, that He's not going to abandon us and just discard us altogether and forget about us and just uh, you know and just leave us for uh, uh, to to be on our own. And we express confidence that Karsh Borcha ultimately is going to save us and He's going to redeem us. That's Yeshua and Geula. So He says, so he says, this is the most chashav, this is the most important thing that we could do for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we could demonstrate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu our capacity to overcome the sadness and the darkness and the depression and still feel a sense of closeness and a sense of joy when Shabbos arrives, even though it's the Shabbos of the ninth of Av where we should really be mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. 
So that capacity to go beyond what our tendency would be, our natural emotions would be. So that's what impresses HaKadosh Baruch Hu more than any other time during the year. And that's what makes it Iker, again, not Rebbe, that he wanted to lock or he wanted to uproot the celebrate the, the observance of the day of Tishabab, but he wanted to make that into the Iker because that demonstrates how loyal we are to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so that is what the Avodah Yisrael says. Now, one of the things which is uh, which makes the Nesiva Shalom, which makes his approach uh, particularly important and particularly uh, um, uh, essential in terms of Avodah Hashem, is that he does a masterful job of taking Hasidic concepts, Hasidic approaches, and Hasidic perspectives on things, and and showing and demonstrating how they can be applied in your actual day-to-day life. So we're not just talking these philosophical ideas, which are difficult to apply and difficult to, uh, to implement. He actually doesn't spell out exactly what, the, what, what you would need to do, but he brings it from Shemaim, he brings it at least to arts. He brings it to, you know, uh, uh, to, uh, to earth so that we could uh, connect with it even in our earthly existence. So he says, so when you see that phrase in the slow number, so now you know that he's now going to apply it to 20th century, 21st century. So we can explain. He says the mourning which we have for the Chorban, for the destruction of the Besamitosh, when Klai Yisrael mourns and they cry and they lament all of the time, over the fact that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, was exiled, that that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided, I'm taking my bat and ball, and I'm going back up to Shemayim, and give me a call when you guys are ready for a Beis HaMikdash. But in the interim, he's going back to Shemayim to go ahead and uh, relax on a beach somewhere. Like Chazal say, So as we know, three times a day, a Jew goes ahead and makes mention of this idea, the fact that we do not have a Beis HaMikdash, and because we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is not with us in a close and intimate manner. And that is, that you shalim your city, Barachamim, with, uh, with mercy, Tashuv, we want you to go ahead and return. So this is our tefillah that Yushalayim should that Akash Baruch Hu should return to Yushalayim. Excuse me. David We want the Malchus of David Hamelach to go ahead and to blossom and to flourish and to be able to uh, to be able to spread. And we pray that our eyes should merit to be able to see the return of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to Tzion with great Rachamim. So this is a focal point of our attention, even in Shimon Esser. Here he's listed, he's enumerated three different points at, at, during the Shimon Esser, which we say three times a day, where we are reminded of the fact that we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, that the Shechina is, is not there, and we want HaKash Baruch Hu to return to Yushalayim, we want David HaMelech's Malchus, his, his monarchy, to return and to flourish, and we want to see the HaKash uh, Baruch Hu return to Tzion in, in, in all of that. So now what does that mean? So he says, Habir So the idea behind this is, Mishum Shekol Hit Rakmus Habinyan, Hamachudash He says, the whole structure, the whole Mahalach, the whole uh, approach that we're going to have 
to rebuilding the third base Amikdash. That's what we're focused on over here. So the whole structure, the whole approach that we have, um, of the new base Amikdash, Vagula and the redemption, through the exile and the, the exile of the divine presence, who so he says in a, a fascinating perspective. He says that the that the we often think of that the way that the base of is going is going to be rebuilt is if we go ahead and we generate achdus. We go ahead and we create unity amongst the Jewish people and we repair the sin of sinaschinam and lashon hara and all of those uh, all of those negative things. That's a common theme which you hear rabbis all over the place talk about in these uh, during this uh, this uh, time of the uh, the calendar. But the slow number says that really what's going to stimulate the rebuilding of the Beis Amitish, what's going to get the ball rolling, is our tfilos, our prayers, as well as our, uh, uh, as well as the avelos, the morning practices which we observe, that contributes, and he's going to explain why, but that contributes very heavily to the rebuilding of the Beis Amitish. That really is going to form the foundation of the, uh, of the rebuilding of the Beis Amitish. Haim, it's those things, the tefillahs and the practices of mourning, they are what's going to stimulate and they're going to lead directly to the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. Now he says, When it comes to mourning, there are two components, two elements of the Avelus that we have for the Beis HaMikdash. Yesh Avelus HaMashahaya Veinenu Od so you'll see this theme in some of the kinos, that there's one element of Avelus where we bemoan what we used to have and we no longer have. And that's a common theme in a number of the, the kinos. And Shahayalana Besamikdash Bisifarto, Im Gilu Ashkina Meitanu. So for example, we had a Besamikdash with all of its beauty and all of its glory in which the Shekhinah was able to reside. So that's what we used to have but we no longer have it now. So that's one element of mourning. He says, and although generally a Jew has to be able to say, a person has to be willing to accept God's decree and whatever you wanted to be, but it's not. It's no longer there. It's not present anymore. So you can't be upset about that with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and you can't uh, be constantly asking Hashem to change it. If Hakadosh Baruch Hu decided it's not going to be, it's not going to be. So although in general that is the approach that we have for things which don't work out as we planned, we have to let it go. And we have to trust Hashem that He's making the decision which is in our best interest. Avalim churba beisamitosh asul hashen. Amazing idea. He says we can never. Be comfortable with the fact that we don't have the base of Mikdash. That's not something where Hakash Baruch Hu wants us to say, Gamzulatova, this is what Hakash Baruch Hu wanted. I'm just going to accept that Klai Yisrael is now going to live forever without a base of Mikdash. That's the wrong approach. We cannot go ahead and have that approach when it comes to Binyan, base of Mikdash, that uh, just to accept the fact that Hakash Baruch Hu decided we're not going to have it. So that is one thing. So that's one element. So one element is our sadness in our mourning over what we had and we no longer have. Then part two, he says, There's another part of Avelus which has us anticipating and yearning for the future. Meaning, 
That's the yearning and the desire to merit, to be able to see the rebuilding of the Beis Hamitesh, which will take place at some point in the future. We still have a few days till Shabbos, so we can still get this, so we can still get this done. So that's the second element of mourning, meaning, that when after a person dies, and they're brought before the heavenly court. So the Gemara there in Shabbos, on Lamed Aleph, so enumerates the initial questionnaire, which one is going to have to answer when they get in, they get up to Shemaim after 120. Certain questions which uh, you have to ask, you have to account for uh, the, your behaviors or your attitudes during your lifetime. And one of them is, see, Pisa Yeshua. Did you yearn for the salvation of the Jewish people? That's a question. So it's not, did you, did you necessarily want it? Is it is, but is it something that you actively yearned for? Meaning, Even if a person is able to say with a full heart that I, I, I believe with a, uh, with a complete belief that Mashiach is going to come. So just because you have emuna in the coming of Mashiach, but is it something that you wanted? Just because something's going to happen doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that you want. And here, the question that we're going to be asked after 120 is not only did we believe that a, a Mashiach would come, but is it something that we were yearning for, something that we were davening for, something that we, uh, we, we, we wanted uh, very badly? Because that act of longing and yearning for the, the rebuilding of the Beis Amitosh, that begins to draw the salvation, which ultimately is going to come from Shemaim down here. So we begin to create that, that conduit through which that Yeshua is going to come. From which will eventually the Beis Hamitesh is going to be rebuilt anew. So you have to be able to connect the, 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 the uh, spiritual energy, which is in Shamayim, and we need to be able to connect that to here on earth. And in order to do that, we need a conduit. We need to like lay wire, literally. We need to lay cable, which is going to go all the way from Shamayim until here. And the way, one of the ways by which we do that, says the Slonor, is that's going to be through this process of Tzipisa Yeshua. It's the yearning and the longing for the, uh, for the, uh, with the rebuilding of the Beis Hamitosh, which carries with it a recognition that no matter how good our life is in its current in the current moment, but nonetheless, it's never going to be complete as long as uh, we don't have a we don't have a Beis Hamitosh. Somebody uh, I was reminded of a story the uh, last week of a person who went to go visit his uh, Hasidic Rebbe. So the Rebbe said to him, so he said he finally gets into the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, "How are things going?" So the Gavaldik. He says, "The Gavaldik." He says, "Yes, Baruch Hashem." My family is wonderful. Everybody's healthy. I have a good parnasa. Everything in town. I'm able to daven. I'm able to learn. I have a, you know, I have sons-in-law who are learning and supporting, and I, everything is gavaldic, gavaldic, gavaldic. The Rebbe said, "Really? Everything is gavaldic. Nothing is wrong in your life." He says, "No, Rebbe. Everything is gavaldic, gavaldic. Nothing wrong at all." So the Rebbe looks at him and says, "Did you bring a korban tamid today?" Obviously, he didn't bring a Korban Tamid today, but the Rebbe was, was conveying to him this idea that just because in your little, you know, uh, bubble of the world, 
things seem to look good collectively for Klai Yisrael, we don't have a base amikdash. And without a base amikdash, so we don't have korbanos. We don't have an opportunity to interact directly with the Shechina. The Shechina, as we say, is considered to be in Golis also, is in exile as well. And just because in your little corner of the world, things seem to be going your way, so that ignores the fact that Kosh Baruch Hu is in pain by virtue of the fact that he's in exile. So everything cannot be gewaldic in our current circumstance as long as Klai Yisrael is in exile, we have no Beis HaMitesh, and HaKadosh Baruch is in Shemayim. So nothing is gewaldic as long as that, uh, that happens to be true. So the yearning for that, the recognition of that, it plays a major role in creating that conduit, as we said, which eventually is going to bring that spiritual energy from Shemaim back down to here on earth, and that will, uh, will manifest in a physical sense in the rebuilding of the, uh, of the Beis HaMitesh. Now he says, Ubeis chelke ha'avelus, right after the underlines, he says, Ubeis chelke ha'avelus, these two components, mourning over the past, as well as anticipating and yearning and longing towards the future, those two components, mamshichin umavien es binyabesamitash. So both of those are going to contribute and eventually, as we said, manifest themselves with the rebuilding of the besamitash. This is an important idea, which he's going to quote from Chazal, and also we make reference to in the uh, in the uh, the kinos, which we say every year. But he says that even the mourning which we experience and we which we express for the past, for the fact that we used to have a base amitush and we no longer have a base amitush, even that component that also is part of the universe which is going to create binyan, which is going to be constructive, which is going to lead us to the rebuilding of the Beis Amitash. So it's not just crying over spilled milk. It's not just something which happened in the past and we're still upset about it. We still haven't gotten over it and we haven't spent enough time with our therapist working through the, uh, the various issues. But this is something which, which is actually, it has bearing and it lays the foundation for the future event of the rebuilding of the Beis Amitash. So it's not just past-related, that also ultimately is going to be future-related. And now, with that perspective in mind, now what Chazal teach in the Gemara and Tainus now makes a lot more sense. Also something which is often quoted during this uh, time of the year, where we say, top of the column over here, that the Gemara in Tainus says, Funny thing, anybody who mourns the destruction of Yerushalayim, that person will merit to be able to see the joy return to Yushalayim. So what does that mean? Why does mourning some past event, why does that make you merit to be able to see the future event of, uh, of the rebuilding of Yushalayim? So explains the Sloan, So that's exactly what he's saying, that there's an element of Avelus, there's an element of mourning over a past event, which is not simply being stuck in the past somewhere and not being able to move on from the past event, but it's the mourning of that which helps create the foundation upon which the Beis Amitish is ultimately going to be rebuilt and returned. So, this is mourning from the world of construction, through which we will merit to be able to see the, uh, the, the, uh, the building of the Beis Amitish. Because this category of mourning, this type of mourning, is something which is constructive regarding the future. And therefore, he says, for the same reason, 
Now we can also understand another very well-known, famous idea. That Mashiach is going to be born on Tishabav. Any boy who's born on uh, Tishabav, they're all excited to find out that they're going to be uh, Mashiach. Then they find out that it's a Kohanim and it's not really going to work because uh, Mashiach has to be from the Malchus based David and you can't be a Kohen. A lot of disappointment when they find uh, they find that out. But many people who are born on Tishabav, so they take it literally and they assume that they have that uh, that uh, Mashiach complex. You'll find them by the Kosel telling everybody that they happen to be the uh, the, the Messiah. So what what's the idea that Chazal are expressing to uh, are, are intending to express? Because the activities of the Jewish people on Tishabav, the mourning in the Avelus, in the, uh, the, the observance, the commemoration of the Churban, so that is part of the constructive process of building the Beis HaMittash in the future. And they contribute in order to give birth ultimately to the light, which will be the Mashiach. So we, we shouldn't think that sitting on the floor and all of these morning practices which we observe are just being done to commemorate a past event and it has nothing uh, constructive uh, about it other than just commemorating something which is the past. No, the Sonomer says that this is something which is an essential component in order to be able to get ourselves to the point of the rebuilding of the base of Mitzvah and the Gula. And without these observant, uh, without observing these morning practices, we'll never be able to get to that point of the rebuilding of the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, so this is true. So far, what he's explained uh, after that first paragraph has nothing at all to do with Tisha B'Av, which falls on Shabbos. So far, all he's explained is the nature of Tisha B'Av. There's two elements. There's the Avelis for the past and the yearning for the future, and how both of them are going to be are going to. Uh, are going to uh, contribute for the uh, uh, towards the rebuild, re- rebuilding of the base of English. Now, at this point, it's only one paragraph left. He's, it's a long paragraph, but one paragraph left. He says, now he swings it back around specifically to when Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbos, which, as we said, is the configuration this year. When Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbos, Amr Chazal, Chazal say, it's Gemara Tainus, so on Shabbos, even though it's Tisha B'av, even though the calendar date is the ninth of Av, there are no restrictions on eating or drinking on Shabbos itself. You can have as much wine as you want, you can have as much meat as you want, you can have whatever you want, even like a Suda of Shlomo at the height of his Malchus, at the height of his reign, no, restri- no restrictions whatsoever. And behind you, and the reasoning behind this is, as we know, that it's us to go ahead and to uh, observe any Avelis whatsoever on Shabbos. Shabbos is completely incongruent with Avelis, and as we talk about in the rock, paper, scissors of Halacha, so Shabbos is going to trump uh, Avelis. Because the nature of Shabbos is that a Jew has to be in a state of joy and happy with everything which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done. We have to always go into Shabbos confident that whatever needed to be done this week was done, was completed. I have nothing which is left over, not, nothing which is lingering, nothing which is going to be hanging over me as I go into Shabbos. As I go into Shabbos, everything is just perfect and hunky-dory. That's the nature of Shabbos. But he says, with Shabbos, 
Yesh Rak Eschelika Avelus, that means that on Shabbos, we can't actually do any of the Avelus, right? There's no, uh, there's no taking off of leather shoes. There's no sitting on the floor. There's no torn garments. There's no avoiding eating, eating meat and drinking wine. None of that stuff is done on Shabbos. So of the two components that we have, which are necessary to commemorate the Beis Hamikdash, only one of them can actually be tapped into on Shabbos. So the Avelus regarding the past, that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. And therefore, the beginning of these underlined, Ubishabas Yeshrak Eschelek Ha'avelus Shelhatsimaon, Vaishtokus Bibachina Samanashi Lelokim. So all we have on Shabbos is just the yearning and the longing to restore the relationship we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And like the Pasuk says, Samanashi Lelokim, that my soul thirsts for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I yearn and I pine, my soul yearns and pines to be able to return to the courtyard of Hashem. Meaning, and therefore, that's the only part of, uh, of, of uh, our Tishabav commemoration which we are allowed to do on Shabbos. Yearning for the rebuilding of the base of Mitzvah, that we are allowed to do on Shabbos. The Avelis for the past, we're not allowed to do, but the yearning to be restored to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we are allowed to do. And now he explains, going back to the beginning, And now we can understand with a new perspective what exactly uh, Rebbe w- was hoping to accomplish when he thought that when Tishabah falls on Shabbos, we could make Shabbos, that day, Shabbos Tishabah, into the Iker day on the calendar. Meaning, like we, we said, Oh, sorry, lakor hainulaso so iker that when we say lakor it means to make it primary. Kipir shavodas yisrael hanizkar like the avodas yisrael explain the sphere lay the rebbe because rebbe was of the opinion iker of the two components necessary to rebuild the base amitish avelus on the past in yearning towards the future. Which of those two, given a choice between those two, which one is primary? So Rebbe said, The main component, which is going to lead us to the rebuilding of the Beis Hamitish, is not the Avelis on the past. That's part of it. But that's not the primary thing. The most important ingredient to get us to the point where the Beis Hamitish is going to be rebuilt is that yearning and longing to restore our close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Dveikas which we want, which can be done on Shabbos. So that's what Rebbe was trying to emphasize. He was trying to emphasize that it's the longing and the yearning for the rebuilding of the Beis Amitash, which is the Iker part of our, uh, our, our observance and our commemoration and the, the primary part of what's going to lead us eventually to the rebuilding of the Beis Amitash. And therefore he said, let's make Tishabav, which falls on Shabbos, the Iker, let's highlight what we are able to do on that day because that's the most important element. And if you, if you observe that Shabbos Tishabav correctly by yearning and longing for the Beis Amitash, we don't need the Avelos component, which otherwise would have to be observed on Sunday. 
Because once we already took care of the ikr, once we already took care of the main component, which is the yearning and the longing, that's the most important thing. That ultimately is what's going to create the conduit, which is going to bring that spiritual energy from Shemayim down here to, uh, to earth. And if we do that successfully, we don't even have to bother with the Avelos practices of Tisha B'av on the next day, because we've already taken care, we've already accomplished what we need to do by taking care of the Iker. Ki'af shaloni because even though it will turn out that in that particular year, like this year, we end up never actually observing the morning practices of Tisha B'Av, since on the day of Tisha B'Av itself, it's Asur on Shabbos, Aval Ha'ikr, but that's not the primary element which we need to do in order to get the Beis Amitash to be rebuilt. Ha'ikr, the main thing is, Hu Ha'ishtokakus Gagui'im, Ala Asim, is the yearning and the longing, that deep emotional pull that we have towards that future event. And there you could and should and must observe even when Tisha falls on Shabbos. So it's not as if when Tisha falls on Shabbos, we completely forget the fact that today is Tisha We don't completely forget the fact that today is Tisha All that means is when we say that it's a nidcha, that it's pushed off until Sunday, all that means is, is that the uh, the Avelus observance, which we do on Tisha B'Av, that is going to be pushed off on Sunday. But we actually should be focused on the fact that we don't have a base of Mitosh, and Agash Baruch Hu is in exile, and we are in exile. And the yearning that we have for that to be completed once again, that is something which we should be mindful of on Shabbos, because that really is, as he said, that's really the Iker. That's what Rebbe was trying to emphasize, that the Iker is that yearning and that longing. Now, that sounds beautiful, right? So that sounds like a beautiful idea that Rebbe was trying to do. Again, totally switching around the simple meaning of the Gemara. Rebbe wasn't trying to get rid of Tisha B'Av and say, we're not going to observe it all together. He was pointing out that since you, if you do the Avoda of Tisha B'Av, which falls on Shabbos, on Shabbos correctly, yearning and longing and looking towards that future, that future perspective, rather than past perspective. So if you do that correctly, you have accomplished what we need to in order to help create that conduit or build that foundation upon which the third base Amitish is going to be uh, rebuilt. And Rebbe says, if you do that successfully, you never need to get to Sunday where you'll have to observe the Avelus, you'll have to observe those morning practices. That was Rebbe's opinion, though. But the Gemara says, now back to the underlined section. But he says that the Chachamim did not agree with Rebbe about this point. So now we have to figure out what exactly is the perspective of the Chachamim. Why did they disagree? Why did they not uh, uh, feel that that was sufficient? Because they hold, because they are of the opinion that even the, uh, the focus on the past of those things which we used to have, Abesamikdash, Achtos, and, uh, and the, the Shechina in our midst, so, which we no longer have, who gam came olam abinion, they maintain that that's also an essential component in order to rebuild the base of Mikdash. So you have to have that, uh, you have to have that also. Shakeshir Yehudi Mizbonin, the sum el libo mahaya base Mikdash. Because that's an that's an essential component as well for a Jew to contemplate and to put into his heart what exactly we used to have when there was a base of Mikdash. So we have to remember that. That's that that, that helps frame the yearning which we have for the future. 
Right? How could we yearn for what we want in the future if we have no uh, frame of reference regarding the past of what it used to be? And what is it that we used to have? Like the Pasuk says, in between the two underlined sections, the beginning of Parshish Truma says, make for me a sanctuary and I will dwell in its midst. But really, it's in their midst. It's in the plural. It doesn't say in the singular, meaning in the midst of the sanctuary. Meaning, whose divine presence can reside in the heart of each and every Jew. Because during the time of Israel, that the Shekhinah was able to reside amongst the Jewish people. And it wasn't just that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was there in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Kodesh Kodashim, and that's where the Shekhinah resided. But rather, the Chol Yehudi HaYemerkav L'Shekhinah. Every Jew was capable of being a chariot, was capable of being a vehicle to be able to carry the Shekhinah around with him. And now, as a result of Kurba Besamitash, as a result of what's lost, so now we, each one of us individually, it's not just that collectively as a nation, we lost the Hashra Sashrina, we lost the proximity in the intimacy of the Shrina being in our midst in Yerushalayim, but each one of us had the capacity to take a little bit of that and take that with us and carry that with within our hearts. So regardless of whether we lived in Haifa or we lived in Svas or we live in Beersheba or you live in wherever it happens to be, Rehovot or any of those places. So every Jew during the time of the Beis Amitosh had a bit of Shechina which was able to reside in their heart. And now that the Beis Amitosh is no longer here, and the Baruch Hu went into exile back up to Shemaim, so as a result of that, each one of us is missing out on the Shekhinah, which should be residing in our hearts. And he says, the Hare, now back to the underlined section, Hare Avelus Zu, this morning, which we have about what we're missing from the past, Allah regarding the past, Eina Avelus Shal so this is also an important point. It's not a morning of sadness. The goal isn't really to be sad on Yom Kippur just to be sad. You're not going to go ahead and try and you know use your uh, body language tricks to see if you could generate some tears just for the sake of generating some tears so you could say that you cried on, uh, on Tishabot. It has nothing to do, it's the Avelis is not sadness. El Avelis Olam Habinyan. But here also he says, there's such a Hasidic perspective, but he says, the Avelis, the morning which we observe, is from the world of construction. The goal is constructive mourning, not one which is just brokenness over something which you had and you no longer have, or a loved one which was there who's no longer with you. Because all of the crying, whatever tears Kal Yisrael generates on Tishabov, and certainly all of the kinos, the lamentations, which are going to be read and hopefully understood in one, uh, you know, to, to one degree or another, they contribute, they also lay the foundation to be able to bring the ultimate redemption back to this world and to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. That's what they're going to be able to, uh, to ultimately accomplish. And we have to recognize that. We have to see the process, as difficult as it may be, to say kinos, because it's a difficult Hebrew, and it's challenging, and it's poetic. And even when reading it in English, I often don't understand what they're, what, what they're talking about. So with all, of that di- with all of that difficulty, it's worth the effort, because the effort is what's going to lay the foundation for the Beis Amitash to be rebuilt. 
or in a, a different sense, using a different uh, metaphor, it's similar to those boats which lay cable from the United States, from the North American continent to the European continent. And the only way you're going to get that, uh, you know, that uh, that that wireless signal or that uh, those um, those uh, those wires is whatever they're calling it is to go ahead and you just have to go step by step along the way optic fibers fiber optics the only way you're going to be able to get that across the ocean is you have to you have to traverse uh with by boat from one uh, from one coast to another there's no other way there's no shortcut to go ahead and do that you can't microwave fiber optics across the ocean you just have to lay it down there so in the same way, we have to go ahead and somehow we have to figure out how to lay those fiber optic cables all the way from Shemayim until Earth. And the primary way that we do so is the observing of the morning practices, the recitation of Kinos. And if you could generate some crying about that, so that also is going to be very effective. Softens up the soil a little bit, makes it easier to dig up for the foundation. And the Chachamim disagreed with Rebbe, and they said, it's not enough just to yearn for the future. And if you do that successfully, you don't have to mourn over the past. The Chachamim say, no, both components are equally necessary. You have to be able to mourn over what you're missing that you, you that we used to have, a Beis HaMikdash, Achtos, and the Divine, the divine Presence, the Shechina in our midst, as well as yearn for that to be restored. And those two things together, that past, and that future with us right there in the present, in the moment right now, being able to connect those two things, the, the, the better we are at, at connecting that past with the future and making both of them the reality of our present existence, that is what's going to create that conduit, that laying of the optic fibers, those cables, which are going to connect Shomayim back to, uh, to ours. Balkane, and being that the Chamis maintain that both elements are essential, both the past as well as the future. So obviously the Chachamim did not agree. And therefore, now it's after the underlined uh, lines. So he says, and although in other years, when Tishabah falls sometime during the week, where we for sure have both elements being observed at the same time, we mourn the past as well as yearn and long for the future. But Kashir Chal But when Tishba falls out on Shabbos, so this, even though there's a machlokas, whether if you yearn for the rebuilding of the base of Mikdash on Shabbos, do you need to mourn in the past over what we no longer what we had and we no longer have on Sunday? Rebbe said you don't have to. The Chavis say that you do have to. But in a regular year, Kashir Chal uh, Sorry, that uh, in a regular year you certainly have both components. But when Tishuba falls on Shabbos, the time is nidchis lamachar, and then the fast is not observed until Sunday, this year's configuration. So then, So everybody agrees that both these two elements that we have are divided into two different days. On Shabbos Tishubav, our focus and what our attention should be on and where our thought should be is the yearning for the future, yearning towards the rebuilding the base of Mitzvah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu returning there, Malchus base David, being restored and flourishing and spreading and all of that. That's our, that's our Tishabav observance, which we are able to do and should be doing on Shabbos. And then the morning practices where we commemorate and we, uh, we mourn and we cry and we lament over the past. So that's what we end up doing on Sunday. 
So rather than doing them both at the same time, which is what would happen if Tisha B'Av fell, fell out during the week, we're able to divide them over the course of two different days, and each day will have its focus. Because ultimately, both of them are necessary components and necessary ingredients in order to be ultimately lead us to the Binyam Beis which is the whole point of Tisha B'Av, is not simply to commemorate the past, the point of, 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 the, of, of Tisha B'Av is to commemorate the past so that we can anticipate and we can yearn for it and we could, uh, we could uh, connect ourselves with the future rebuilding of the Beis Amitash, which should happen uh, So this is, uh, I think, a, 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 as I said, a classic uh, piece uh, from the, uh, from the Slonimer as far as uh, understanding uh, Tisha B'Av in general, but uh, specifically in the configuration this year when Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbos. So, uh, yeah. Is there, okay. kind of, is there kind of a guidelines to, man- to how to represent that on a Shabbos? I mean, is there uh, readings? Are there um, no. just an emotional... emotional? Just, where, just where you have to take your thoughts. We you have to try and take your thoughts. Okay. But there's, there's nothing to actually do, uh, you know, as, as far as that. Thank you very much. All right, much. everybody. Thank you very much. I will see you in Mitzvah Hashem Thursday, 6.55. Call to...